There's at least one in every office, family, or group. The person who says things like, "Why do we have to do this? This is too complicated. No one ever helps me." They seem to be focused on whatever is wrong about a situation, but they rarely offer up any solutions, and they seem to suck the energy out of the room in the process. Our question this episode: How do we best communicate with the complainers and energy drainers in our lives? Welcome to episode twenty-three of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. Thank you so much for joining me. This episode finds us digging into the different types of complainers that you might encounter at work or at home, looking at what motivates them and how we can use that information to improve our relationships with them. Lending her expertise to this topic is negotiation speaker, author, and expert Linda Swindling, J.D. C.S.P. Linda empowers leaders to negotiate everything from big deals to workplace drama using proven strategies that drive results without driving others away. Linda learned firsthand how to negotiate from her experiences in the courtroom and the boardroom. A respected mediator and recovering attorney, Linda attended Harvard MIT's program on negotiation. She also spent years advising and coaching CEOs and key executives while a chair at Vistage. Her engaging programs are based on original research and more than two decades of experience. Linda is a frequent media guest and the author of more than twenty books. Hi, Linda. Welcome to How Can I Say This? I'm delighted to welcome you to the podcast today. Well, thanks. I want to start out by giving listeners some context about you, because during an earlier conversation that we had, you described yourself as a recovering attorney, right? And I kind of feel like I've used that phrase so often with some people. You all should have your own professional organization <laughs> if you don't already. <laughs> But、um, what lessons have you carried forward from your time as an attorney to your current work as a negotiation expert? That's a great question. The fact that I was an employment attorney helps because I know what the end result is if people, you know, don't get along at work or don't get along outside.、Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely saw some of the issues there. I think, though, something that a lot of people don't、uh, realize. Is attorneys are taught to think from all different sides of an argument, and when I went to school, I was a journalist, so I learned how to ask questions and be somewhat objective. But I was really, you know, it was Linda's way or somebody else was wrong.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, basically Linda's way or the highway.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> and being an attorney, it forced me to go through the exercise of, you know, arguing somebody else's side or thinking of it from their perspective,、mm. and. Learning how to be a little bit more objective.、Mm. So when I presented my points, you know, it was backed with logic and not just, "Well, I think we should do it." Okay, so why? What are the good business reasons? Why would I want to go your way?、Mm-hmm. And I think that really helps with negotiation. It helps in the workplace, and it really helps you craft a, an argument that isn't just based on what you feel, but really based on why it might be in somebody else's best interest. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it. I, it had occurred to me that, that being an attorney would be good background because so many negotiators, mediators are also recovering attorneys or, or even active. Right, right,、um, right. But I hadn't thought about the journalist <laughs> angle.、Yeah. That's a really interesting one, especially from the perspective of being able to ask questions. That was helpful, and also,、um, you know, I've done 
some TV, and I was a broadcast journalist. So while things have totally changed, totally have changed um, on the television mm-hmm. sets and everything else, what I did find was a lot of the the same ideas, questions, being able to get to the point quick, that was helpful too. Yeah. So, you know, the asking questions, the getting other people's perspective, listening to what they're saying before you ask another question, that was great training. But also it's been helpful for the crafting a message or writing a book or thinking about what a journalist might need in order to write an article. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think helped you most with the objectivity piece? Because I'm guessing that's what a lot of listeners might be challenged with. When I'm um, when I'm right, I'm right. Or if I want something, I want something. <laughs> and right. what kind of internal process can you go through to put yourself in that objective space? It helps to write down things. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was an attorney and I was on the phone, I'd write down all the different options, money-wise or work-wise, or if it was a commercial contract, you know, what are the different sides, different options, and I'd have it on a piece of paper. So that's one thing, being able to have those bullet points. Another thing, though, is an activity I do with a lot of salespeople or leaders, you know, if they're trying to learn how to lead better. Mm -hmm. And that's actually to pretend like you're that person. And so you say, okay, what are all the things I might say if you ask me to work the shift or if you ask me to do this project on time or if they're selling, if, if you said, you know, well, why should I buy it? You know, I don't want to buy whatever it is. What have you heard? What would people say? And just by them thinking about that person, mm-hmm. you can you can come up with some really good objections, and then you can look at them and say, well, that's a really good one, or maybe there's some education you need here. Mm-hmm. So if it were you, I'd say, okay, so that's what, what are you thinking about? What are all the things that the person might say to you in response to what you just said? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, if you'll go through that exercise, turning it from what's in it for me, because we're all listening to that radio station, you know, W-I-I-F-M, exactly. fine-tuned, you know, what's in it for me? Mine is up and down the dial, right? <laughs> right, right. And so if you can just turn it tuned just a little bit to W-I-I-F-T, what's in it for them? Oh, okay. And really say, I'm good there. You're going to be better than most negotiators. Most people know every single thing about their piece but they forget that there's somebody else that they're asking or they're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. There are two sides, um, at least. Absolutely. And, and I've... Always. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and four or five sometimes, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Even if it's just the two of you talking, each of you are bringing other people and other experiences into the, the conversation. Well, and that's it, too. You can think, now, who is this person going to have to report to? Who's, who is this person going to have to talk to about this? Mm-hmm. Who does this person live with? What is that person going to say? You know, and you can think about who might be influencing this, this agreement. Do you want me to give you the best question ever? ask. Yes, okay. absolutely. So the best question ever sounds something like this. If you think they're more of a feeling person or visual, you can say, if you could wave a magic wand, you know, what would you create? Mm-hmm. If you could wave a magic wand regarding this negotiation or regarding what we're talking about, what would be the best outcome? Yep. Then just listen. And that, that lets them, you know, really do a big, broad picture. And you're going to hear, oh, wait a second. I'm not hearing what I thought they would be arguing about or wanting or whatever. I'm hearing something totally different, and, and a couple of those things I don't even care about. Mm-hmm. I can just give them those, right? right. And that, that means a lot to them. If you feel like that might be too creative <laughs> or too, you know, too uh-huh. feeling of a question, right, you can say something along the lines of, 
if this went all the ways that you you wish it could, or if this was the absolute best outcome you could get, yeah, what would that look like, or what would that be like? And and it's funny, people, one or the other usually hits them, and they'll go, ah, oh, you know, I I love for these things to happen. And then before you respond, say, anything else? Mm-hmm. Huh, wow, what else? And they'll drill down and they'll give you really some, some neat ideas for you that you probably didn't even create, you didn't even think about. Yeah. What pops into my mind, and again, I'm sort of putting myself in the shoes of a of a listener that is new to this kind of thinking, perhaps. What about expectations? Like if I say, if we were to wave a magic wand and you had the best possible outcome, how do I, as the person asking that question, how do I temper expectation or do I? You do, but you do it after they talk. Mm-hmm. You let them talk, 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 talk. And then that's a really good way right then you go, okay, I can tell you right off the bat, we are not going to make you president of the company tomorrow. That's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> and you and I know that's not going to happen. Right. And that said, and so... Instead of saying, but, 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 just say, and. Exactly. You know, and so that's where you put your boundaries, your contracts, your expectations, you reset their expectations. And you can say, you know, I hadn't thought about this. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on my radar screen. How important is it to you for me to figure this piece out? So you can really kind of set expectations because sometimes it's, it's like when you've been in a speech and somebody asks you a question and you go, oh, that's a peculiar question. I've never heard it before. And, you know, so many speakers, so many negotiators will say, well, let me get back to you with that information. Before you do that, say, wait a second, is this something that is really important to you? Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 100, you know, is this, one, is this your number 100 that you really, really, really want, 100% want it, or is it a, just a curious? Mm-hmm. You can set that kind of an expectation in negotiation. Yeah. Say, so how important is that to you? Yeah, I think that's a brilliant way to, to follow it up. Because, yeah, if somebody says best possible scenario, you're going to just put it all out there. And, and some of it might be, you know that you have no realistic chance of getting whatever it is you want. And so checking in with like, well, how important is that? And I like that, you know, often a scale of one to 100 or scale of one to 10 helps people to to narrow that down. And um, they are in some ways themselves tempering expectations. Exactly. Um, taking some of that burden off of you. And I'll tell you what's the most shocking is, you're right, some people ask for the moon, some people won't even ask for what they want. I wrote a whole book on, you know, asking outrageously because we don't ask for, we, we temper what we're going to say. Yeah, it's true. So sometimes when you ask that question, Beth, you're going to get somebody that says, you know, something that's, oh, well beneath what you would have given him or her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a safe question because it really gets you to where they're thinking. Yeah, definitely. Well, to dig in a little bit more on negotiation, um, one of the other things we talk about on this podcast is conflict. Right. And most people tend to think of negotiating and conflict as two separate things. Like I negotiate to buy a house, for instance, Mm -hmm. or a car, and I engage in conflict when there's open disagreement or hostility. Mm -hmm. But I know from our conversations that you see the two as connected. So what is the role of negotiation and conflict and how can we use it to work through our challenges? Great, great question. Um, have you ever heard Max Lucado say this uh, quote? He says, conflict is inevitable, combat is optional. Mm. You ever heard that? <laughs> I haven't, but it makes sense. You can choose to engage or not, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if you can think of conflict, at least somebody you're working with, you live with, you're a friend with, 
most of the time it is a need that they feel needs to be met mm-hmm. and they're not getting it met. And so when you're stressed and you have a need that needs to be met, you're not going to use language as maturely as you'd like to. You're not going to um, be able to think rationally. You're going to be thinking very passionately. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that, unless they're just a toxic person, and, and about one out of 25 people are, they're just narcissistic and they have no conscience. Those, those people are very, very difficult to deal with. Yeah. But everybody else, <laughs> we're all mm-hmm. just doing the best we can and we get stressed, right? right? And some people live there and some people it's somewhere on the scale. So if you can think about that, you remaining logical, cool, common, and control is key. And the reason why it's a negotiation is you're trying to figure out, so what is it that you want? You're not trying to figure out what are all the problems since childhood you've had that are forcing you to act this way, because that's not going to help you. You're, mm-hmm. you know, most of us are not trained therapists, right? right? What you're trying to really do is stay cool, calm, and in control, ask some questions, see if you can figure out what it is that they're trying to get from you. And for you, it's not to fix the problem. It's to see if there is a fix to the problem. And sometimes it's your responsibility, but sometimes it's their responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if you can put yourself into that mindset of, okay, what do I want? Well, I want this person to stop yelling at me, crying, whatever they're doing that's negative or hostile or something in conflict. Why? Because I like this person or I I need them to get back to work or I need the, the client to continue to buy services or whatever. And then, you know, is it worth my time or effort? Oh, yeah, this is a great person. Or, no, this person's always in my office. I just want them to go away, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's, there's some of those questions, right? So that's what you want. But then if you can just turn the dial again just to what's in it for them. Okay, what are they trying to seek? Well, I can't tell. They keep screaming. So they must want some attention. Or he keeps asking for get it to me now or whatever. Huh, he wants something done. Huh, okay. What are the reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, why? And then is this worth it? Well, yeah, I want to maintain a relationship or again, don't. It's really worth it for them or they wouldn't have spent, you know, five minutes yelling at me on the phone, whatever it is. Okay, so then if you can just even get into those questions, Mm -hmm. just start asking yourself what's going on. I've got a real easy acronym if anybody's in conflict, if you want it real fast. Yes, please. It's um, ask. So always live in the question. Always be asking questions. And the first one is what am I aware of? He's breathing heavy. She's got a loud voice. He's getting right in the face, whatever it is. Um, What am I aware with me? I don't feel comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're looking for seek, S. So ask, seek, and then no. So Mm -hmm. ask, and then seek is what questions can I ask that are open-ended that would give me information? You know, I see that you're talking very loudly. What's going on, right? Mm -hmm. And then the K is just know your next step. Know know your next question you need to ask. You don't have to know the result. Just know what you're trying to do next. Mm -hmm. So even when someone's screaming at you, you can always think about, A, what am I aware of? Me, them, you know, what's going on? Seek, what can I find out about this? (laughs) I've got to seek something, seek some more knowledge. And then, okay, what's, what's my next step? What, know my next step. What's my next question? Yeah. So undergirding all of this is, it's about questions. Right. I mean, you know, so much of this is about being curious and listening. And I appreciate your point about, you know, seeing if there is a fix, not necessarily trying to fix it from the get-go. Right. Like we can get so fixated on, I've got to get rid of this problem that we don't spend enough time perhaps trying to find out what's going on, what's leading to it. And if it's something that can be 
fixed and what might be the best approach. Right. And then also remembering there's a point where you cut it off too, mm-hmm. right? So some people feel much more comfortable listening. And at a point, you know, two to five minutes is enough of listening. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in time to get moving, mm-hmm. right? So it's two to five. It's not 25 minutes of them beating you up. Mm-hmm. So be thinking about that too is you want to listen with empathy, but you also want to have your boundaries. Yeah. And it depends on what type of complainer you're dealing with or what kind of conflict you're in. Some people just want a quick answer. Some people want you to listen to them. Some people want you to do it for them. Mm-hmm. Some people want you to leave them alone so they can complicate things further. Nobody can participate. So you're kind of listening again. What are they saying so that I know how to react next? Yeah. And before we, you dropped in the word that I wanted to get to next, which is complainers. But before we get to that, I'd like to just really quickly ask, if you've got somebody who has reached that, you know, five minute mark or so, and you really need to jump in, what's a graceful way to do that? Wow. This is serious, or I can tell that this is serious to you. Mm-hmm. I can tell you put a lot of thought into this. This is brand new information to me. Let's get back together tomorrow after I've had some time to investigate it. Would in the morning work better or would um, afternoon at two work better? I, I'll have an hour then. I've got to get to a phone call and this is important to you. So I want to make sure that my answer reflects that. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you're acknowledging it. And it gives them time to cool down too. Exactly. Okay. That's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. So you're acknowledging their emotion and the energy that they have around it. And you're basically calling a timeout. Exactly. Can we step away from this and think about it and come back? Okay. That might be your next step. Know your next step. Take a break. Yep. Take a break. Well, let's turn to complainers and energy drainers. (laughs) What is important to know about them as we consider how we negotiate or are in conflict with them? Again, asking your questions to figure out what's their hot button. Mm -hmm. So there's basically five big types. We've talked about toxics, which are very difficult to do anything other than protect yourself. Make sure you monitor their behavior. Mm -hmm. Write it down as if you're taking a picture of it. And that's going to be your best thing is protect yourself and be careful. But the others, they're they're working either from an emotional standpoint or a logical standpoint of control. So if it's emotional, you're going to see one of a couple of things. If it's a whiner, their superpower, let's say, is to connect with people. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you'll see a whiner who, you know, takes care and is nurturing in their best state, when they get stressed or negative, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to pout. They're going to withdraw. They're not going to participate. They're going to sigh heavily, you know, because what they want is to connect with you and have a relationship. Weirdest way to have a relationship is to whine, right? <laughs> right. But that's what they're going to do, right? Um, the other feeling one is going to be like the prima donna or prima don. Mm-hmm pay attention to me, pay attention to me, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because they want the, your attention. So they're going to yeah. gossip. They might speak up in meetings. They'll show up late. They'll stir up the pot. You know, they might interrupt you or vacation in your office, you know, and tell you the latest and greatest gossip that they've just discovered. The drama kings and drama queens. So if they want attention, the worst thing you can do is ignore them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you go back to work, so you have to look at them and you have to give them what they want. Hey, I see that you're here. I see that you're yelling about this. Talk to me about what's going on. You listen, see if it's a problem. And then you don't get lost in their drama because they will take you on a little drama maze. And you say, yeah, no, we need to focus on not yelling in the office. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a buddy, we need to focus on getting to the party on time, not what's going on. So mm-hmm. are you ready to get to the party on time? 
you know, so you've talked to them. Now, the other two, though, they're much more logical. So if you see someone who's a bully, have you ever worked with a bully or gone to school with someone yes. like that? I think we, yeah. we had someone in community. Yeah, yeah. Control? They're trying to get control. Mm. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Control, but they're trying to get control so they can get things done. Hmm. So you're either in their way or you're a way to help them. And so that's where the questions really work well. The positive side of people who get things done are their leaders, right? And they, they help everybody get rallied. So leaders, and um, all of us like questions, but leaders, that's, that is really their love language. So short questions, what do you need, mm-hmm. what do you want, what's going on, and then letting them decide. So you're kind of standing up to the bully, but you're helping them get what they need. The complicators are the people who are very stressed, and so what they do is they want control, but they control it through details. Have you ever worked with somebody who said, ugh, this will never work? We tried that five years ago. That'll never work. Yes. Like, we have computers mm-hmm. now. Yes, mm-hmm. will. Yeah, exactly. Be a team player. Come on, be a team player. No, they don't want to be a team player. They want to be away from you, and they want to control and be quiet and keep things complicated. Um, they're also the ones that you'll say, oh, my gosh, you're the computer with, I need your help. I can't get in on my password. And they go, what's your password? And you give it to them. They go, yeah, that doesn't work. And you're right, right. I, I can't get in because my password. Well, if you don't have your password and it won't work, I can't help you. Right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. So it's the crazy catch-22 kind of thing. With them, what you really need to do is you've got to use kind of a, a slower approach, more communication, questions. And again, we'd really like you to participate in something. I hope you can do that. Can you join us? And they'll go, well, what do you mean? Well, you're saying that you're not going to change. You're not going to join the group or whatever. Can you do that? Because that's what we're going to do. And they'll go, oh, well, what would happen to me? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We are doing this. Yeah. And so because of their need for control and information, they will join rather than not be in the know. They like to be the know-it-alls. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of it. You're trying to listen for what they want. Yeah. Underneath these different types of complainers, there's either attention-seeking or control-seeking. And knowing which one is happening can help you figure out the best way to approach them. Yeah. Use that ask, listen, you know, for what they're looking for, and then stay cool, calm, and in control because it's probably their issue, not yours. Yeah. You know? That's that's sometimes the hard thing to remember, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can just breathe. It's about them. And keep saying, ask, ask, ask. What am I aware of? What are they seeking? What do I need to do next? You know, you could keep saying that to yourself in your head and that kind of keeps you grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Take a break. Yeah, exactly. Take a break. (laughs) Well, let's ground all of this in some bottom line do's and don'ts when it comes to how we communicate with complainers. What would you recommend? Number one, if you see somebody that's usually acting in a positive way and all of a sudden they're not, something's going on. Mm -hmm. There's some stress. Mm -hmm. So that's something you can look for. Is it my issue? Is it the environment? What's going on? And that's venting. That's the first, you know, who am I dealing with? The second is, What are they seeking? And, you know, I have some free assessments we can talk about, you know, that you can go and say, what kind of complainer am I dealing with? And that'll help you figure out what I do next. Mm -hmm. But then the other thing, part of the do's are, what is my responsibility here? And if you're a leader, is it really your responsibility to make sure everybody's happy? Or if you're a coworker, does everybody get to come have a pity party and you provide the favors with chocolate? Probably (laughs) not, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? And so part of it is, Staying cool, calm, and in control yourself and taking care of yourself. 
And if you start seeing yourself get stressed, whether it's because of someone else like this or just an environment thing, if you start seeing yourself do some of these behaviors, something's not working. So Mm -hmm. your job is to make sure that you're under control as well. Yeah. Yeah. What about some don'ts? Don't try to fix it. Mm. You're not going to fix a whiner. Think about all the advice you've given to people and they don't follow through Mm -hmm. or they try to, you know, well, can you just do it for me? No, you can't. And the the complicator, you can't just let uh, someone who's complicating things and messing them up, you can't just let them be the only person with the knowledge. That doesn't work for an organization. Mm -hmm. The complainer that's the controlling one, the controller that acts like a bully, that's the person who can get you sued. So you have to stand up to them. And when they're calling, you got to talk to them and say, we cannot have you doing that if it's a workplace or if it's a friend or if it's someone like that. You know, I don't feel comfortable when you're yelling at me and I don't want to have a conversation with you or be with you. Mm-hmm. And then the prima donna, you got to make sure that you're not following in their little windy path. Uh, they'll do a lot of things. Well, you didn't know about this. and You didn't know about this. And so what they're doing is trying to take you off task. And you're like, no, we're going to concentrate on you right now. We're not going to talk about what Billy mm. Bob did or what Joe did or what Joanne did. You know, let's, we're talking about you. So just be really conscious of what's going on. There's one other one. If you ever feel like you're crazy, that techniques or that communication or, or whatever that usually works with someone is not working with one person and you feel that passive aggressive or you can't, you might want to go seek help, get an executive coach, a counselor, go to a spiritual or somebody, or even somebody who has some training as a buddy of yours. Explain what they're doing because you might be dealing with someone who's really manipulating you Mm -hmm. and, and make sure that that doesn't happen either. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice to remember that you don't have to necessarily navigate all of this alone. That there are times when you need to seek out the seek might be seek support or seek help. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times just, you know, there's something people are get so worried about going and seeing a counselor. I use them as personal advisors mm-hmm. because sometimes I just can't figure people out. Yeah. So I'll, they know about crazy people. They know about me, you know, if I was stressed and I'll say, is it them? Is this person doing it? Are these people doing it? Or is it me? Is it my problem? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and they can pretty much say it's your problem. We'll see you next week. <laughs> say, yeah. No, it's this other person. This is, this is odd behavior. So use them as a personal advisor. Yeah. You go to an accountant, you don't know how to do your taxes. Well, then why wouldn't you go and figure out people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great point. Great point. Well, Linda, this has been um, a really jam-packed, full of great information. (laughs) And I'm sure we've piqued the curiosity of anyone listening. So how can people learn more about you and and the books that you have? I know you have Ask Outrageously, and then there's a couple others. Yeah, there's there's a few. Um, You said Ask Outrageously, and you can go to askoutrageously.com or stopcomplainers.com for the Mm. Stop Complainers and Energy Drainers. Great. And either one of those will have some assessments and some things that might help you. All of my speaking um, and programs and things are on lindaswindling.com. All those websites are interrelated. So, yeah, please do that. And, you know, if you just need a pep talk, there's a really fun TEDx talk called Ask Outrageously. 
and it might get you to start asking some of these questions we've been talking about and maybe not put up with some of this complaining behavior. Awesome. Well, I will make sure that there are links to all of that on the episode webpage so that people make it easy for them to find you. Perfect. And, um, and thank you so much. Yeah. This has been fun, and I appreciate your, your generosity. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was great. Before I offer you some closing thoughts and your call to action, I invite you to visit the episode webpage at HowCanIsayThis.com for more information on how to connect with Linda. She has a series of videos on her YouTube channel that give you more detail on each of the complainer types. So if you want to learn more, you'll find that link on the episode page. From there, you can also access past episodes, subscribe, or offer feedback. You'll also find information about leaving a review for the show. It only takes a few minutes, and by taking that tiny extra step, you're helping others find the podcast and benefit from it. An occasional feature of this podcast is responding to listener questions about conflict, communication, connection, and relationship building. I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You'll find the online submission form and other information at HowCanIsayThis.com. There were lots of things Linda shared that were useful in identifying and communicating with complainers and other challenging behaviors. One point in particular stood out to me because it came up in a coaching client call immediately after my conversation with Linda, and that's the step of gauging how important a request is to the other person. Here's your call to action. Notice when you find yourself on the receiving end of someone's complaints or demands. Give yourself a moment to take a deep breath, then ask them, how important is that to you? Notice it's how and not why is that important. Starting questions with why often results in putting the other person on the defensive, even if we don't mean to put them on the spot. It also assumes that what they're saying is, in fact, important, and instead we want to get at the degree of importance. They might respond with, oh, I'm just venting which gives you the green light to let it go. If they say, it's really important, then you can continue with questions such as, what would you suggest? Or what would you like to see change? Or you could go to Linda's magic wand question. If you could wave a magic wand and have an ideal outcome, what would that look like? By starting with clarifying the importance of a remark, you might be saving yourself a lot of time and energy that would otherwise be wasted on assumptions and irritation. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.